0: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast series, Mum, You've Got This. If this is your first time listening, there's an intro episode you can go back to which explains what the series is about. The person featuring today on episode 10 is Jada. Jada is someone I've met through the gym and I'm so excited to have her on today to tell her story. Jada, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Oh, thanks so much
1: for having me, Elle. This is amazing. And I feel like you we were born to do this. I've just listened to um, all of the podcasts to date and I just love hearing
0: everyone's story. So you've done mm-hmm. such a good job. Thank you so much. Let's hear yours. So tell us about your situation right now with your family dynamic, what you do for work, um, where you live, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I've got my husband. I live with my husband and my one-year-old daughter. Um, we live in the north side of Melbourne. Um, we've lived here for two years now, so we're just getting used to the the area. Um, I, so I've just, uh, gone back. Well, actually I went back to work, um, when Artemis was eight months, um, and, um, Ari works full time as well. Um, and I've just changed jobs now where I'm working four days a week. So part time. Mm -hmm. And
0: what do you do for work?
1: So I work for, and I've done this for the last um, 10 years since I've been in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a BDM, so I'm a business development manager for a furniture company. Mm -hmm. So I've worked for a few different ones. Um, They all have been Italian businesses, um, but now I'm working for an Australian business called James Richardson, and um, I've just basically started. So I've been there for two weeks now, so it's very brand new exciting
0: and you mentioned you mentioned they were all previously Italian businesses yeah
1: so um so when I first moved I moved to Melbourne I'm actually an Adelaide girl so Mm -hmm. I moved to Melbourne this year would be the 11th year that I've been here um, and I, when I first started, um, I worked for a company um, called Scavello and um, they are, even though they're an Australian company, they're an Italian family and um, still family owned. Um, and then I actually worked there for five and a half years. And then um, after that, I went to another company called Polyform, um, which is an it-, it is actually an Italian family um, and it's the flagship store. In Melbourne and also Sydney. And um, I was there for five and a half years. Oh, sorry, five years. And then, yes. And then I've just moved. Um, Well, I did actually start at Euracacina, another Italian um, company, uh, for three months. But that kind of didn't work out because it's just that they were really flexible and everything. Um, But it just, the actual job wasn't for me. Um, Mm -hmm. They were kind of a bit of a startup because I'd only been in Melbourne for about three years. So, basically it was, um, you had to be the jack of all trades. So um, at that time, it was just a little bit hard going back into work, you know, doing my job plus about five different other things um, at the same time. So it was just, I mean, they were amazing. Like the guys were amazing and everything, but I just um, felt, yeah, it wasn't right. And also um, the type of role as well, I just felt like it didn't really fit me. So Mm -hmm. I just um, ended up going back to more what I previously
0: did and that's where I am now. Sure. And Italian companies, that's, be that's your cultural background, right?
1: Yeah. So it's not that it, um, I, you know, it didn't, wasn't, didn't happen that way because I'm Italian, but it just sort of happened to fall into place. I think, um,
0: it just, a lot of, lot of great Italian, uh, furniture. Can you say? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And
1: Italians, not because I am Italian, but you know, Italians with furniture, they just seem to get the knack of the, um, quality and design, um, aspect, aspect. So yeah. So I think, um, Once I started working um, for Scavello, I just really, you know, it was actually just, um, it was, um, yeah, it just, I kind of fell into it when I moved to Melbourne. So it wasn't like I was really, um, you know, looking for it. It just so happened that I applied for a job as a receptionist um, Mm. at Scavello when I was 21. Um, So basically when I moved to Melbourne, I just really, needed a job. Um, so I just basically went for, um, you know, anything that was admin or reception, um, based. Um, and then I kind of worked my way up. So I kind of, yeah, just, I sort of fell into it, but then I absolutely loved it. And that's why I've still stayed in the same industry. So yeah. So 11 years later, I'm doing the same, pretty much the same thing.
0: Good on you. That's great. Yeah. So tell us about yourself pre-family, pre- as in your mm-hmm. family. So sort of childhood, school, career, yeah, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, um, so as I said, I was um, so I'm an Adelaide girl. Um, so I grew up there. Um, so were you born got, in Adelaide? I was born in Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, and I was born. Um, I've got a twin sister as well and um, a younger brother and um, we were all born except actually my brother was born in Queensland funnily enough and um, look uh, my life you know in Adelaide it wasn't I didn't really have the best start to life unfortunately Um, when I say that it's just not me personally but um, my parents um, unfortunately just took the wrong turn in life and they have have always been and still are today, um, heroin addicts and Mm. I've, yeah, I've found it really hard to sort of talk about it up until now, because obviously, um, you know, it was just that sort of feeling of that stigma attached to it and, um, thinking that everyone would, um, you know, perceive it, you know, in a way that, you know, that I was the same way. So Mm. um, I've never really shared my story to people up until now um, and I'm 32 years old. So um, I think, you know, obviously the main, you know, people, the important people in my life obviously know Um, and, you know, my extended family. um, But yeah, unless, unless I tell you about it, no one would, you know, ever suspect it. And I guess I really, you know preferred it that way mm. um, but basically um, all my life, um, because my parents have been heroin addicts, um, I had struggled through child um, childhood a lot um, we basically were um, also because of their addiction um, you know it is it 's very hard to know what it 's like until you 're in it but um my whole family, um, on both sides, at some you know some point, disowned my parents um, because what happens with addiction be- um, becomes crime, mm. and you end up stealing from you know your family and your friends and you know everyone around you that you love, um, and so that was happening all the time, and um, eventually everyone distanced themselves away from us and you know, that was inclusive of us kids as well. So we basically grew up with hardly any family, um, you know, having to be in a household with two drug addicts was extremely hard and difficult as kids. Um mm-hmm. And obviously going to school was almost like it was an outlet because it was away from them, but it was also very hard to concentrate, um, you know, and obviously when you're littler, um, you know, you don't really, you know, think of it or see it as much as, you know, you start getting into your teens. But we were, qu- were very well aware about it, um, you know, from a very early age um, and, yeah, basically never went away. Um, and, you know, I, as I got older, I realised, um, that, you know, their addiction was priority and we were secondary. So um, we missed out on a lot. It was, yeah, it was hard, but, um, yeah, it was hard. But, you know, at the same time, um, I, you know, I look back on it and think that, you know, if that didn't happen to us, we wouldn't be the people we are today. But at the same time, you know, I just still wish that, All I wished for in life was that we had a normal upbringing um, and, you know, the things that us little kids had to see when we shouldn't have seen, we just Mm. saw too much. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I had a lot of positives where, you know, um, I had a really good friendship uh, network at school and I'm just so thankful and grateful today that I'm still friends with um, all of my uh, best friends from Adelaide. Um, who helped me quite a lot um, Mm. through my teenage years Um, and yeah and I think even though we had a really bad upbringing I just try and look at all the positives and um, I, you know I still remember walking to and from school and thought I just have to finish school I just need to finish school and then I have to somehow get out of here and as a 15 year old it was just you know, a 15 year old shouldn't be thinking that way. Hmm. But, you know, it's just one of those things that I couldn't have, I had no control over it. That was my parents' choice. And I know that, um, you know, they would have, they have had their own, um, you know, issues to, to deal with, but at the same time, you, they had three children to take care of, but they didn't. So, yeah. Um, when I was 15, I said to myself, and I still remember it clearly saying that this life isn't for me and I'm going to try my absolute hardest to overcome this life and just make one for myself and, you know, and just live, just live free and just live just normally without having to deal with this day in, day out. So Mm that's what I did. And when I was 16, I, um, I eventually finished school. So I did finish year 12, but, um, the thing is because home life became, um, terrible. Um, so I had no choice, but to move out of home. Um, and I ended up moving out, um, when I was 16 with uh, a boyfriend at the time. Um, and then when I was 18, I moved into my own uh, rental um, and I, that was the best thing that I ever did, um, just to move away. And um, I, at the time I was really thinking about going to university, but I think I just had so much on my plate and so much on my mind, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, I just had no idea. I just needed to survive. I just needed to get out and get a job and just survive and just, you know, live without having to worry about my parents. Um, and so I ended up just getting a job. So I, I did at school do, um, hospitality and also commercial cookery. So I did that whilst I was at school. Um, and I think I did it because I just loved the whole aspect of cooking and being around people. And I just thought, well, this is a way to gain points um, towards my education. So I did that. And then I ended up getting, um, after school, I ended up getting a job at the Hilton Hotel. Um, and I actually did a traineeship there for two, for two years. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed it. I got to, you know, do a lot of things, um, work on a lot of events, Um, and I did that, yeah, for a number of years. And then, um, I had, oh my God, if I had to sit here and name all the jobs that I've done, (laughs) I've done, I've done them all. So, um, I did quite, I've worked in law firms before I've worked in an English college. Um, I did quite a lot before I moved to Melbourne. Um, but when I was about 20, um, I had met my boyfriend at the time and I, he was moving over to Melbourne for job opportunities and I just found it as a way out. Hmm. So I Fresh decided, start too? Yeah, it was a fresh start and I thought, you know, it's now or never, this is going to be a bit easier for me because I actually know somebody um, moving over and I just thought, you know, this is my chance to, you know, just to start, a my a life for myself and start fresh without mm. having to have that constant worry um of you know that terrible family um mm. life so i um packed my bags and went um over to melbourne um and then I frantically was trying to um look for a job straight away and i um i that's when I found scivello so um i had um i started as a receptionist there and not thinking of really where it would end up. Um, and yeah, so as I, oh, I think I'd just turned 21 and um, I started as a receptionist and then I, you know, really loved the environment. It was such a great environment, lots of amazing people. And then I sort of worked my way up. So I was a contract administrator um, then I went to sales support and then uh, a sales consultant. So um, yeah, I loved my time there. Um, and then I just decided, I really, I just love this. I get to be around people. I get to talk to people every day. I get to help people. Um, and so I guess that's where I fell into the, the type of work that I do now. Mm. Um, it wasn't on purpose and I guess, you know, coming out of school, I didn't really have much direction or any support or I'd never asked myself what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, this was basically all new to me and it was my first time of being, you know, really happy. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, so that's from there Um, I worked, you know, at Polyform and, um, yeah, that's kind of where my passion for design and furniture Um, took hold. um, And yeah, I still absolutely love it. So um, yeah, so now, you know, working at James Richardson, um, they've been, you know, extremely supportive, um, obviously having my one year old daughter. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been a really good 11 years here. um, And it's probably the best thing that I ever did.
0: Yeah. You are absolutely incredible. So for the people listening, I met Jada at the gym. We go to an awesome gym. And it's so
1: good. <laughs> when,
0: when, it has everything, this gym. And when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, um, Jada was the same with her first. And we would go to the 9.30 mums and bubs classes and just met, just having a chat in the gym. As you do when you have children, you sort of start talking about them and end up kind and of I getting could a little tell bit straight away that
1: you were the same as me. Yeah. <laughs> you like, mm, yeah, She's my type of girl. She's my girl. Yeah.
0: Same, same <laughs> for you. But I just, you know, you're just such a bubbly, friendly, happy, positive, absolutely gorgeous, both on the inside and out person. And I was just so impressed when I met you that you were just so calm and just in control and just so level-headed about the whole parenting thing. It's your first baby. You love your job and you wanted to go back to work. You know, you knew the challenges around the mum guilt side of things, but you knew that work was part of your identity and you were determined mm-hmm. to make that happen and not let that stop you from doing what you loved. And, you know, as soon as we had those conversations, that even more ingrained to me, like, yeah, okay. We're the same person. Like she's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're the same. Yeah, especially and
1: with the, um, yeah. It was just like the work, I guess, the work part where we both yeah. sort of were on the same page with, you know, wanting to go back to work and not, I guess, you know, I think everyone always thinks about the mum guilt and, you know, thinking, oh, if I go back to work early, how will people look at me and mm. all of that. But I think, you know, at the same time, you need to be the happiest for your family and your children. And I think, you know, for us thing feeling like going back to work, it, you know, gives you, it gave me that sense of, I guess I had that feeling that I just needed to do that for me as mm. well. And for me to be happy was I constantly feel like I, I want to make a difference in some way. Um yeah. And I think that was just more making a difference for my family, providing for my family as well. And, you know, not just financially, but in other ways and, um, yeah, and I just remember we have us having a chat about it and you were saying the same thing, you know, that you decided to go back to work a bit earlier. And I said, mm. well, that's what I feel that I want to do as well. I just really enjoy going to work and I, I think that I can do all of it. Yeah. Um, and I think because of what I've enjoyed in my life, I think, you know, this part for me, like am not saying it's easy, but I just felt like it was... So much easier, and that's why I can be calm because I'm in a happy place. Yeah. Um, and I feel so much happier doing this, so that everything for me now feels like a piece of cake mm. because I just feel like anything's easier than that life. So, of course. Um,
0: well, that's, yeah. that's so I
1: just, yeah.
0: That's what I think. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think that the, all those reasons I talked about before was one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on because I just thought so much around um, how awesome it was the way that you would doing everything with just, you know, not just being a mum, but then the whole returning to work and getting that balancing act right. Um, yeah. And I had no idea, like we had a conversation before recording, five minutes before recording, and you told me about your upbringing and I had absolutely no idea. And I just wanted to say, like, it's really, it's so interesting to, to know that. Um, and I obviously mm. absolutely feel for you and what you've gone through and your siblings. Um, it's just so interesting that you have gone through that to look at you. Yeah. No one would think that at all. And I think a lot of people potentially might look at you and get, um, you know, be jealous because you look amazing, you act amazing, you make people feel amazing and might think that you're someone that's just absolutely got it all. But you've got such a huge story to your upbringing that just makes me even more go, oh my God, we just all have to be so kind because you just don't know <laughs> yeah. what you have gone through. Well, that's, that's
1: precisely why, um, you know, for me as well. I mean, I've always been like this. I think it's at first when I was younger, it was like a bit of a facade so that people would never know exactly my back my backstory mm. um, because as much as I would feel that, you know, people don't because I always think of it positively I'd always in the back of my mind think, but what happens if I don't get the same opportunities that someone else does because they will know that I've come from a really bad upbringing or I don't, you know, have the same things that my, you know, other people have. Mm. So I just always had this really good way of sort of blocking it out, but also not showing it to the outside world. And, um, and I think in a way it sort of made me realise that everything else in life, is so in my life is so calm and you know and you know when i meet people when i speak to people it kind of you know takes that sort of you know i it kind of i forget about it for a second mm. um and i don't and i sort of think that you know in life you yes you don't know what people are going through and i think it's always in really um you know really important to always be nice and always be kind because you know someone might be going through something really bad and they might you know and everyone's different not everyone is able to deal with things in the same way and i think that you know um resilience is something that um you know you can't always teach like it's something mm-hmm. that um is there and i think you've just got to be very mindful that um everyone's got a different story and everyone's you know um been brought up in a different way so always just be kind and you know and happy happiness and added your attitude is a choice as well Mm. so it's all a choice so I think um the way that you want people to see you I think and you know it sort of shows in into your family life as well and your children that you know what you see is you know for me is what you get like everyone is going to see you in the way that you show them so Mm.
0: Yeah. Do you have a relationship with your parents at all now? No. Um. So my mum, I
1: haven't seen my mum for years. She um, didn't come to my wedding. Um, she hasn't met my daughter before. Um, my dad has. He did come to my wedding um, and he's met my daughter um, about a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that because they've been, you know, doing this for so long it basically it's like in when you've been doing it for more than half your life you don't get excited about things anymore you stop caring about yourself you stop caring about everyone around you you know as i said you know their their children weren't priority we weren't priority um that you know they're you know their need for drugs was their priority. And it still is. Um, so when you become that, you are basically just a shell of your former self. Um, mm. and the way that I like to sort of explain it is like, um, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Mm. Um, so my mum is much worse than my father is. Um, but what's well it's not so funny but my dad actually introduced my mum to drugs um my dad actually came over from um Italy with a drug addiction at 17 years old and oh, wow. his um mum yeah actually sent him to Australia to our some of our family here um to try and help him but um what happens with people that with addictions is they will always find it so if they don't want to change, they'll always find it. So that's exactly what happened. And, um, my mum happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time that my parents met in a nightclub. So, um, that just sort of happened that way. And they basically eventually did it together, but because they're both Italian, they both come. And the funny thing is that both my parents come from you know, families that no one ever knew what drugs were. No right. one took drugs. So it wasn't like it was a flow-on effect from their, you know, my, you know their parents or, or pe- people in their family at all. Mm. It was just something that my dad happened to meet the wrong people when he was really young. He feels that he never had any guidance because his dad left him at a really young age Um, and my mum came from a good upbringing, had, you know, two parents and her brothers and sisters, they all loved and cared for each other. Yes, sure. They were strict, but, um, there was no drugs. There was none of that. So, um, it was purely their choice, purely their choice. And for whatever reason, they decided to continue it. Um, and you know, we, we definitely had a lot of issues when we were born, uh, so did my brother. We all had our own issues because um, they continued their drug use um, through our, from when we were babies to through our whole lives. And, yeah, as I said, they're still doing it today. Um, so, yeah, so um, I don't really have much of a, a relationship, unfortunately. I find it really hard. It's taken me a long time to sort of accept it. Mm. Um, but now, um, accept it in a way, um, of, I guess, because they're, they're my parents. So it's not like they're an auntie or an uncle or a distant cousin. They're my parents. So, and it's not just one, it's both of them. So Mm. it was, it's been a really hard time for me to overcome and uh, accept that this is the way that they'll always be. You always, as a child, you always have hope that things will go back Mm. to normal, but they just never do. So um yeah I guess because I I feel I you know I'm not gonna lie I still have hatred for what they did to us and I think if I sat here and spoke about it I could tell you a million and one stories about all the things that Mm. they have done um but you know it's it's not even you know relevant to even go through every single thing because um yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, I just still feel that hatred, but it's, I guess it's, you know, just trying to accept that this is the way they'll always be. And I just have to just think things aren't ever going to change. So there's no point for me to be angry about it because it's something that I cannot change. So I've just learned that things that you cannot change, um, you know, there's no point dwelling on it anymore. So that's what I do. I basically what I've learned is just to block it out. Mm. And I know that everyone's got, you know, their own way of dealing with anger and stress and sadness, but um, I found the best way for me is just to block it out. Um, And that's what I've done. And I think because of that, I've built up, um, I guess, a strength and resilience that, um, and I've had it since, you know, through my whole childhood as well. And so has my brother and my sister. They've done exceptionally well as well, um, you know, we've all had our little roadblocks, but we've done really well to get to where we are today with the childhood that we have gone through. So, what
0: do you um, credit that to? Then, like, how was it? How did you three manage to create incredible I, lives? With because I mean, you, you know, you remained in their care the whole time, right?
1: Yeah. So, well, there was a time where, so I would say that. Um, my grandmother, my mum's mum, mom, she had played a big part, and my auntie, um, they did help um, through the times where, so there was many times where, you know, my parents both went to jail um, for different reasons, drug use, crime, um, robbery and things like that. And uh, there was one time where both my parents were um, in jail at the same time. So they were going to put us in foster care but because my auntie, you know, she already had her own children. So she had to take on three more. And I think, you know, um, she did that obviously out of love and that's her sister. Um, And so she did that. And obviously my, um, my grandmother and my grandfather over, you know, especially earlier on um, they did a lot of, they picked us up from school because my parents wouldn't pick us up from school. We were left at school um you know things like that so they used to help by you know um picking us up you know um we would stay over for many times but they were still old so by the time we you know got into our teens they were just you know um they were really old so they did what they could Mm. um and so you know we did have a bit of support along the way for the ones that still kind of stuck by us and realized that us kids had nothing to do with this. Mm. Um, You know, we didn't decide on this life. My parents did. So, yeah. So basically we did get um, help from, especially my grandmother and my auntie. Um, And then I think as we, I think we were just really all, I don't know why, but we were just all really blessed with having resilience. We were just really quite resilient children. And because we'd gone through this, we just thought, well, nothing else could be worse for us. So we kind of just went through life and yeah, and we just sort of just decided ourselves that this wasn't a life for us and that we deserve so much better. And um, yeah, and I think that we just, to be honest, we credit ourselves for mm. where we are because if it wasn't for us um, and, you know, really believing in ourselves that we could change our course of life, well, then we wouldn't be here yeah um but yeah i mean look we did have i had a lot of support from my um you know school friends and and things like that you know i um you know some of my school friends um you know parents obviously um you know had a soft spot for us but um overall we were we basically decided ourselves that we were going to make something out of ourselves Mm. and that's exactly what we did it's amazing. So do so, they still live in Adelaide? No. So my brother and my sister live here. So okay. when I um yeah, so when I um moved to Melbourne, my brother moved over a year later and he also started working at Scibello. Oh really? Um, yeah, I got him a job, um and he uh finished an apprenticeship um in carpentry Mm -hmm. um so he's done really well for himself um and my sister moved over four years ago so it took her a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um but she yeah she moved over four years ago and she's a qualified hairdresser um and yeah so my sister is actually studying at the moment in um community work so she's she wants to help uh, young children in the same situations mm. because Amazing. there's a lot of children yeah and you know I really um my sister's she even though she's very similar to me she is probably I'm probably would she would say that I'm definitely the <clears throat> more hard-headed twin um yeah. where she's a lot softer so she's definitely um she's a lot more patient uh than what I am so she decided that after doing, you know, hairdressing for so long that she's going to go and um, do community work and um, help other children in the same situation that we were because so many of them have absolutely no support um, Mm. and no one to guide them. It's just got, you need some guidance in your life, um, Mm. you know, and usually you do do get a lot of that guidance from your own parents. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, when I say my story, there's so many other, um, you know, people that have gone through this in some way or another. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's what my sister is doing. So yeah, so she moved over uh, four years ago and we've all three of us haven't looked back. So yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, Melbourne's so, been really good to us.
0: Yeah, it's so <laughs> inspirational all three of you. It's just it's just absolutely incredible. So when you moved over to Melbourne, was that with Ari, your husband?
1: No, so it was um I that was another boyfriend at the time which um obviously didn't work out and um I actually met Ari um at Scivello. So oh. we yeah,
0: all oh, happening at Scavello?
1: Yeah. So um because it's such a big company, um yeah, there was obviously a lot of people that worked there. So I've met some of my really um, close friends at Scrivello as well. Um, so I'm so, so grateful that I started working there when I first came to Melbourne. And um, mm. yeah, Ari was only there for a short time. And I, rem- I still remember the day he started. And um, I didn't think anything of it because I never even, never crossed my mind to, you know, to date anyone that I worked with. Mm. I, and I kind of didn't really look at him like in that way I guess and um we started talking because we realized that both of we both have are born on the same day we've both got the same birthday no so really? yeah so that's kind of where it's started like we started talking and um yeah he, look I uh, he was very persistent and he's he's definitely more of a cool calm collected type of guy and um I remember looking at him thinking oh you know he's so, he's so cute, but I'm just not really thinking about dating anyone at this point in time. But he was really persistent, and um, and I said to him, "Now, lucky you were because we wouldn't be where we were where we are today." So yeah, um, his
0: persistency totally prevailed. Look where yeah, you are
1: now. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it was um, thanks to my workplace that um, I met my husband, and that was um almost 8 years ago now and uh we got married 3 2 and a 2 years ago and yeah. um our daughter is 1 so what was yeah, the decision so was... like
0: to sort of start a family were you both on the same page with when that would all happen and
1: um it yeah it definitely was so we um we'd obviously been together for a little for about five years and then um, Ari proposed when we uh, were in Italy together. So we, when we, when we got together, we decided to travel a little bit. So he's, Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually um, has a Greek background So, um, and being Italian, I still got a lot of um, family in Italy and one of my, my grandmother on my dad's side actually still lives there. So we decided to do a lot of traveling and, um, on our travels, um, he proposed to me, (laughs) um, Mm. where was it in Bellagio? So that was actually really, um, really nice. And then we got married a year later, um, And yeah, so we got married in 2017 and then I think once we got married, um, we decided, well, I was 30 um, and I thought, yeah, well, maybe we'll be, you know, we'll soon start thinking about a family and um, Ari just, you know, he was pretty much on board with that and he said, yeah, I think, you know, well, let's just start trying and see what happens and um, it uh, actually happened a lot quicker than we expected. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess, because I, I just thought to myself, oh, it'd probably take about a year. Um, (laughs) but that was quite incorrect. Um, (laughs) it sort of, um, happened, I think in the second, probably the second month that we started trying and, um, that was, yeah, the first time I'd ever been pregnant. Um, and yeah, we decided that, this was our time was now. So, um, yeah. So then, um, I had Artemis in, um, the 8th of December, 2018.
0: So how was was your pregnancy? How did you find pregnancy?
1: Um, I actually found it fine. I think I sort of was sort of waiting for that whole, okay, this is the time where I'm going to start feeling morning sickness. That kind of passed and, you know, that three months passed. I was like, okay, well, I didn't get anything. So I thought maybe it'll happen a little bit later on, but it didn't. And I just kind of went through the pregnancy thinking, okay, this is actually not too bad. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and so, yeah, so I went through it. Everything was, you know, was, was re- went really well. Um, Artemis was, yeah, she everything, you know, she was healthy. Um, I didn't have any complications or anything. So, um, I actually gave birth to her a week early, um, Mm -hmm. which everyone was telling me that, um, your first is always late. Mm. So I had, I was basically just, you know, I was just really relaxed. I wasn't really thinking about it. And, um, Actually, the, the night that I started contracting, I was in denial thinking that, um, oh, no, I, I'm, I was like, oh, no, this is just nothing. I think it's just Braxton Hicks. Well, lucky my husband said, um, we better go to the hospital because we actually downloaded an app and the app um, was saying go go to the hospital, go to the hospital because it obviously measures your contractions and the timings. Oh, wow. And um, we, we thought we better go to the hospital. And as soon as I got there, um, they actually checked me and they were like, mm, well, you're three centimetres. So yeah, you're, and they were, they were thinking to send me home. And I was thinking, you know, at this point I've started feeling, uh, it was quite painful. And then I think about five minutes later, my waters broke and they say that it's never like, what it's like in the movies where water goes everywhere but that's literally what happened to me water (laughs) just went absolutely everywhere and that's when I thought oh my god this is happening Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) something is happening and then I felt excruciating pain Mm -hmm. and I thought okay it's happening they said yep okay we're gonna have to take you to the birthing suite They got me to walk to the birthing suite and I literally could not walk there. I I thought that I was going to have my baby on the floor. So it happened so quickly. And I said please, I'm like, can you please give me something for the pain, please? And they're like, sorry, love, but you are way too far gone. And I was like, no. So I was just really, I was just, I was just focused on like, just thinking, I was thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to do this? Okay. I've got to just do this. Just me like I just felt like it was me against the world now I've just got to mm. basically try and have this baby I was yeah I was just thinking in my head oh my god how am I going to do this I was in so much pain and I wasn't allowed to have it, have an epidural so I just thought okay I've just you know I've got to do this and I remember the maternal health nurse saying um I will, actually no the, sorry the midwife was saying to me um she, I think she was the same nurse she goes um Jada okay you want to do this? You've got to do it the easy way. Do you want to do it the easy way or the hard way? I'm like, well, give me the easy way. She goes, <laughs> all right, so slow down your breathing. Slow down your breathing. Because at that point, I was just going, <gasps> and, I was, and then she goes, okay, you've got to really slow it down. And somehow, I think I just really, Ari also made me um, slow down my breathing. And I think that moment that I started really slowing it down everything started sort of falling into place. And oh, wow. she was, she was born um, 45 minutes later. I oh think it was, something. my God. Yeah. It was just, it was so <gasps> quick. Oh, it was God. so quick. I was just, um, yeah, I, I, I was just sort of shocked at the same time because all of a sudden she was on my chest wow. and I was just like thinking, how did that happen? Did I even do that? Did did I
0: actually just do that? Wow. I was just
1: so gobsmacked. smacked and I was just so shocked in myself and Ari looked at me and said you actually just did that oh
0: my god <laughs> so
1: so yeah she was actually born um really quickly so um I think if I had you know when I have my time again I'll just obviously know the signs um earlier but I think because I was in denial I just let it go too far yeah that by the time I got to the hospital um that it must have just been too late, but even when they checked me, they were like, "Oh, you're only three centimeters." So I basically went from three centimeters to ten c- centimeters in such a short amount of time. Oh, wow. Mm. So yeah, so it just happened so fast. But I'm kind of glad that it was it was tough but quick. Mm. I'd rather probably that way than um, you know, to say three labouring for three days. So it was, um, yeah, it was
0: it was, reckon, good. it was do you reckon you rec- like you managed to do all of that? Cause you were so fit as well. Like, were you still boxing? How late did you? Yeah.
1: Well, I was, I was basically, so I tried to um, still do the same gym work that I was doing previously, but obviously as I got bigger doing boxing, um, started getting a bit harder. Um, I think because your, your, your heart rate just goes up so much Mm. when you're boxing and I, was just getting so puffed out. Um, so I think it was up until I was maybe 37 weeks. I kind of just went a little bit slower, but I do honestly believe that, um, you know, st- trying to stay active, you know, trying, you know, trying to be as healthy as I could did help me with my pregnancy. And that's, you know, what I honestly believe that like, I just feel like I recovered really quickly after that and, mm. um, and I just, yeah, I honestly believe, um, that it did help me. Um, and yeah. And I think, you know, even if it's not obviously boxing or hit classes, you can just do something that, you know, every little bit helps. So, mm. um, and obviously, you know, doing your pelvic floor and things like that, I really try to be mindful to keep that going. Obviously some by the end of it, you kind of get a lot t- more tired and, but I just try to be mindful just to always keep active and, I feel like because of that, it just really helped me and especially for my recovery
0: after. So, yeah, I think that it did do something. To (laughs) to the listeners, you should see this woman on a... (laughs) <laughs> boxing bag. You are a freaking machine. Like, oh my god, you look like a professional fighter. Or like, you remind me of um, what's that Tomb Raider, Lara, whatever her name is. You remind Lara me of Con- Lara like Croft. Oh, absolutely Lara nowhere
1: cross. near that. But, oh yes, um, you are. Absolutely. How did
0: you get into that? And how long have you been boxing for? Because you honestly look um, like a UFC fighter or pro something.
1: Well, I actually started. Um, I started boxing when I came to Melbourne. So. Um, I don't know if the listeners know Doherty's, um, Doherty's gym, but I, um, I started there cause I lived in South bank and, um, I started going to classes there and I've never really been the type that loves going to the gym and, you know, doing my own individual workouts. Um, you know, in the weights room, I just, I found it quite boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking for, um, you know, just doing classes or doing group exercise. And um, Doherty's gym um, happened to have uh, boxing on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I thought, I'll give this a go. And, um, yeah, so I started that in 2009 and I've been doing it ever since. Mm. So um, I absolutely love it. And more so for the fitness, not for, you know, to get in the ring or anything. I've never actually challenged myself to do that. And one Mm. day I want to, but Mm, I think I just...
0: Oh, I will be there watching. <laughs> I'll be there watching when you do You're number one. Oh, fan. Well,
1: <laughs> well, well, I started doing, um, I started, um, then, um, I joined another gym, um, as well. That was purely, um, just boxing. And then I've since joined a few other ones that are purely just boxing gyms. And I've just always just loved it. And I think it was just, I guess it's like a release for me. Mm. Um, I feel like it's a real big stress release and I feel more empowered um I don't know it's just the way that it makes me feel and I just and I think you know the benefits that come from it as well I just feel like you know with boxing I just got a lot you know quicker results than doing any other type of gym work Mm. um but then you know also I love kick classes as well because you do have to change it up and it is very um I guess top heavy in terms of Mm. you know you obviously work more of your top part than the bottom part but then I started combining that with um hit classes as well so that's predominantly what I do and I've been yeah doing that since um I moved to Melbourne I've just loved it ever since
0: I wonder so, if it's yeah. like a sense of because you you obviously had so much you couldn't control for so long in your life and the boxing totally. sense of control and letting yeah, you know, well, a lot of frustration yeah. and things like that out because man I would not want to be that boxing bag on the other <laughs> end of this. like well I
1: think think it is exactly what you said it's it's sort of you know it's like it's a release for me like it's Mm. I couldn't really control a lot of what happened in my life and I felt like you know I this is something that I could sort of um control I can you know be you know I can do what I want I can you know I can be the person that I want to be and I just felt like you know empowering myself in so many different ways and I felt that boxing was one of them so Mm. um yeah and that's what I've yeah I've just really enjoyed it and it's not really you know getting in the ring type and you know fighting anyone because it's you know as much as you want to punch your bag probably sometimes feel like you know you can just like put someone else's face there and think (laughs) okay like this is how I feel right now about that certain person but um but yeah, it's just really, just a really good release for me. And I just really enjoy it, doing it with other people as well. So yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. Def- I feel like it's definitely helped me throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So what about when you had Artemis and was that like, did that bring up emotions for you when you first sort of looked at her? Like obviously yes. it brings up emotions anyway, but particularly because of the upbringing that you had, did that,
1: yeah. Well, look, I, I probably f- started feeling, um, you know, and going through my life, I, as I said, I learned to block a lot of it out. So when I came to Melbourne, I just basically closed off and I didn't speak about it at all. And, um, it wasn't until I got married was when I, all those emotions started coming because mm. obviously when you get married, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is family. Mm. And obviously because um, my fam- my mum and dad couldn't really be present in the way that I wanted them to be, started bringing up a lot of um, sadness and anger and all those things. But I managed to sort of control that and um, it uh, then started happening again um, <clears throat> when I had my daughter because <clears throat> obviously when she was born, you know, my, my mum couldn't be there and my dad was hardly there. Um, and so I just felt like I didn't really have that, you know, support. And I just felt a bit, I guess I just now just feel sad for Artemis because, um, obviously she's not going to have that, you know, grandmother and grandfather, um, figure from my side, um, Mm. as what I would always have hoped for her, but
0: it's just, how it is and like, you're making up that, for but... all of that you're well and truly making up yourself for all of that yeah that she doesn't have and like like I met I don't I didn't even tell you this but I met Ari's mum the other day did she tell you oh, did okay you? yeah yeah
1: <laughs> of course you just know when she walks in the room that yeah she's, she's, <laughs> the <best.
0: laughs> she's full of personality um oh, so she is. I'm sure she gives Artemis oh all the love she to does age. yeah
1: And that's the thing that um, I wanted to mention was that um, what I lack from my side, um, you know, from my mum and dad's support, um, I gain from Ari's side. Um, Both his mum and dad have seriously been an amazing part of my life. Mm. Um, They sort of changed my thinking a lot, Um, you know, all of those sort of feelings brewing up inside about my parents you know they helped me a lot especially Ari's mum because she just made me feel at ease and she just accepted me from day one because obviously when that was my thing um, with relationships was that I always had this um, I guess this feeling that I wouldn't be accepted so I never would tell any of my previous relationships about my family life and you can only obviously keep it a secret for so long but Mm. I kept it a secret for (laughs) quite a long time with um, Ari and I obviously didn't say anything for um, a little while but um, obviously when it all came out into the open um, Ari's parents were so accepting of me and they didn't judge me in any way they just they just, I guess, um, judge me on who I am yeah, and absolutely. not my my background. So, but they have been such a good support in you know so many ways, and they've treated me like their own um, their own child. So um, mm. you can obviously imagine what they're like with Artemis, and they've just been there to support me. So I feel like even though there's so many negatives, there's so many more positives that come out of it. And um, yeah. yeah. I just, I, just st-
0: I know you were nervous about talking about this and um, with your family and, um, you know, I and the reasons around what you said about worrying that people would, it would change how people see you. If anything, like mm. I've, I've seen you in the most, honestly, the most positive light possible. And hearing this story has only, enhanced that side of it yeah. not affected it in the way that you think that it would because to to mm-hmm. know that you're already this beautiful person as it is just generally to then know you know what you've gone through and everything like that it just makes you oh i just think you're absolutely oh, thank you Absolutely. Incredible. thank you so don't i know it's just perfect. perfect i know
1: i just feel you know it's just that i guess it's just that um that feeling that you know that seems to stick with you so long Mm. you just always worry about um and you know in normal life I would never worry to have this worry about anything else but I'd always feel like you know especially growing up I just I just want people to see me for who I am and not who what you know my family life was and yeah and so um yeah but that's you know I think that now I'm I feel even though I obviously was a bit nervous talking about it as I talk about it now I just feel better and better it's like it's almost Mm. like a release in itself so so I thank god that you did this podcast because (laughs) I was gonna say (laughs) yeah it's it's actually (laughs) you know it's like you know I'm sitting in in the room and you know you're you're the counsellor you know you're sort of asking me about my life and you know, um, my backstory and, um, everything that I've done to date And it's kind of, you know, it does help me, um, in more ways than you would ever think because it's, you know, talking about, talking about your problems is, I feel is a good thing because mm. it just, it stops you from bottling everything up inside, you know, mm. you just need to, you know, just talk about it, you know, and yeah. I think, that's the message as well is that, you know, if you're ever going through something in your life, don't bottle it up because, you know, it can lead to bigger problems and you just need to talk to people about it. Mm. Um, and I feel like that release for me has,
0: yeah, it's just been amazing. So so was it just really, I was going to ask why you decided to come on and sort of tell the story now. I guess you've probably never given a platform like this before to do yeah. it anyway, but.
1: yeah. Well, I think, yeah, firstly, I guess, um, I never really, I never really thought, um, I guess I've never really had, um, a reason to Mm -hmm. tell anyone. Um, I guess, you know, if it came up or someone asked me, um, I would definitely say something, but it's not something that I would just, you know, bring up for the sake of bringing it up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought when you started doing this podcast and, you know, I saw, you know, I I guess I heard from the other um, uh, podcast that you've already done, you know, the type of questions that you were asking, I thought, well, this is probably a great platform to sort Mm. of say my story and know that, um, you know, there are so many different people and um, different upbringings. And um, just because you've come from that type of upbringing doesn't mean that you can't, do the same things that everyone else is doing. And, um, you know, obviously just to succeed in life. And when I say succeed is just to live a normal, happy life. You know, I do like the simple things in life. And I think even simple for me is awesome because it's all that I ever wanted. So yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel really happy and content with what I do and I'm really happy that, I am where I am. Um, Yeah. And I guess that's, I guess I wanted to just speak on this podcast to sort of, you know, someone might know someone else that has gone through something similar or they might have gone through something themselves and Mm -hmm. know that, you know, um, you can still have it all. You can still have everything that you've always dreamed of. You just have to, you know, just tell yourself that you can.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that's why I guess I wanted to sort of, Talk about it and just, you know, just be, just be open and honest and just tell people that, you know, yes, I have lived like a, you know, a terrible upbringing, but, you know, I'm, I'm just your normal girl. I'm just a normal girl um, that likes, you know, normal things. And um, I'm just really I guess just really grateful and appreciative um, to be where I am today. So, yeah, I guess that's why I wanted to sort of come on and talk about it.
0: Yeah. Good on you. So how how did you go, uh, like, becoming a mum and the early days at home with a newborn and...?
1: Um, well, to be honest, um, so I would say that my hardest... My hardest day or that feeling of being a new mum was day three for me. Mm. Um, I felt like in the hospital, you know, it was two days. I thought, oh, this is awesome. I've so got this. Mm. And I thought, this baby is just sleeping. And I didn't know anything different. And I thought, wow, this baby is just such a good sleeper. And then day three comes, we take her home and she basically was up all night so all night um all the all the next day it's like she hadn't slept for three days and I'm thinking oh my god and I looked at Ari thinking how are we going to do this Mm. how are we going to get through this because we I had literally not slept for for three days so I was I don't know I was just running on what I was running on just adrenaline and um I obviously got the baby blues by day three because Mm -hmm. I had no sleep and, um, my milk hadn't come in. And, um, I thought that I was, I had that mum guilt. I thought I was starving my baby. So that first week, few days after, after that, that first week was probably the hardest. Um, and yeah. So then I just thought, Oh, wow. It is really as hard as what people say it is and then um it kind of progressively got better um it just obviously you know that first 6 weeks it is hard you mm. know it's just the the lack of sleep you've never not slept like that before yeah like what you know no, you ne- you don't know what it's like and not sleeping is a form of torture mm. <laughs> it is like a form of torture so <laughs> obviously and then ari is like you know he loves his sleep so he it was even a big Um, adjustment for him. Um, But thankfully he ended up taking a month off because she was born on the 8th of December. It kind of worked out really well because, you know, he could take, it was like the holidays by then. Um, So, you know, he took a month off and it worked really well. And I'm really grateful that he, I know that a lot of mums don't get that time with their husbands. Um, But, you know, I was really grateful that he could take a month off because I felt like, it was we did a really good job together Mm. um and i felt like we definitely could share the load obviously you know me still breastfeeding her even though my breastfeeding even though i feel like my pregnancy part worked out really went really smoothly my breastfeeding journey wasn't quite the same so Mm -hmm. um i thought in my head like every other mum everything is going to be is going to work well there's not going to be any problems And, um, yeah, and I was, yeah, it was day three, um, day four went past day five. My milk still didn't come in. It took a a good 10 days for any milk to come in. So I, as you can imagine, I was stressed out so badly. I thought, what am I going to do? And so thankfully my, my sister-in-law Ari's sister was, um, she lives in Dubai and, um, she came down. At that time um, and she really helped me because she had she's already got two kids and her second was four months um, is four months older than Artemis and she's obviously just been through it and she said don't worry Jada look just I know that this isn't the way that you wanted to do it but it's okay he will you know a bit of formula um, will you know mix feed, mix feed and you know just as long as she's fed don't worry too much. Cause I just had in my head, no, I have to breastfeed her, I have to breastfeed mm. her. And I did, I guess formula didn't cross my mind. So when she sort of brought it to my attention, I was like, Oh, well, I've got, I don't know. I have no other choice. Like I have to, she, mm. I've got to feed my baby. So by day 10, I still only colostrum was coming out. So it was basically like that sort of transition from colostrum to milk hadn't happened Mm. and it was still, and then I think probably by the two week mark, the milk started really coming through, but I never had a full supply. So I've had to basically formula feed and breast and do breast milk. So mixed feed since she was born. Um, so that's basically what I did until she was four and a half months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just basically, there was no, it was like the milk just kept dropping. I did everything. I went and got metilium. Um, I went and got an industrial, um, breast pump. I tried everything to try and bring it on, but nothing seemed to work.
0: Mm.
1: And the maternal health nurse was saying, um, you know, and she was actually really good. She goes, you've just got to think that not every woman is the same. Not everyone has the same supply. Yes, you might get your milk in, but you're not going to have the same amount as the next woman. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought of it like that, that even though I still had some, I was, I tried my hardest and it just never, it never ended up being a really good supply that was enough to feed her. Mm. So I went down the formula. Um, half. And yeah, so I mixed, I still tried my hardest and I fed her breast milk as well until four and a half months. And then, yeah, basically dried up. I had nothing left. And Mm. um, so I just went with formula for the rest of the time. So, and she's fine. She's happy. She's healthy. Um, (laughs) She's so happy. I realized, (laughs) and I just didn't really think in my mind um, about the whole, you know, fed is best. I just always thought in my head, oh, you know, breast milk is the way to go. That's what I'm going to do. But it's not, unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like that for women. You Mm -hmm. know, sometimes it just doesn't work. And that's what happened to me. And I just didn't know until it actually, you know, I actually had the baby that, you know, that was going to be my journey. So Mm -hmm. now I have a different outlook on on it. And Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, fed is best, you know, what are you going to do if you don't have breast milk or you have to, feed your baby formula, Yeah, you know, there's, there's
0: no other what other else you going to
1: do. There's no other mm. option. So, mm. um, yeah. So that was basically, um, what I did and, um, yeah, she's now she's happy, healthy. Um, there's, you know, no difference in her. So I think that I did the best thing for her. So. Yep. Yeah.
0: And how did you find going back to work? Um,
1: I actually found, so I I think it was around the six seven month mark. Um, so I was at polyform at the time, and I was me. I meant to go back full time at a full time capacity at one year, um, but about at the seven months, yeah, about six seven month mark, I started getting each to go back to work, um, and I just felt like you know you know, I think I could just definitely go to work, you know, at least two, three days, um, to start off with and work said, well, you can come back, you know, um, on a part-time basis up until 12 months. But then after the 12 months, you have to come back full time. So I, so I thought about it. And, um, then my friend Carolina, who's, uh, who was a colleague who's now one of my good friends, um, she had resigned. Um, and yeah, so she had resigned and I was like, "Mm, okay, well, we worked as a team together and she was just telling me, um, you know, how unhappy she was. Um, but also there was a few things that had happened to a few other colleagues and I was like, okay, well what's, you know, I don't know. I wasn't feeling a hundred percent sure anymore. Um, and then I decided, um, I decided to give them a call, and um, I just asked, "Look, I want to obviously come back part time, but I'm just a bit mindful now about the 12 month mark because obviously I have to come back full time." I said, "Is that you know, is that set in stone, or is there a way that I can you know keep working part time?" and The reason was because the only person that I have to lean on in terms of care was, is Ari's Mm mum, but she still works full time. So the only time that she can help me is obviously with pickups and things like that from childcare, but I don't have anyone that can physically look after her during the day Mm. apart from childcare. So I, I knew in my head, I thought, well, if I go back full-time, she has to go to childcare for five days. And then I thought, well, I just can't afford that. Mm. Like it's, I mean, I can do it, but at the same time, you're almost working for nothing mm. because yeah. of the amount that it ends up being. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, so basically, um, I, yeah, I called work and I tried to negotiate, uh, working, you know, when I do come back full-time, can I come back on a part-time basis? and they basically said, um, no, um, you know, it's it's actually I think because they hadn't done it for anyone else, they um felt like they couldn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Because then if they did it for me, then they would it would open up a can of worms. Mm-hmm. So um, they said to me, look, um, yeah, unfortunately we won't be able to do part-time because, yeah, if we do it for you, then we have to start doing it for everyone. And in your position, um, it would be really hard because I'm, you know, working with my own client database. Their sort of way of thinking is, well, who else is going to pick up the slack on the days you're not there? So I kind of got it, but at the same time, you know, there's other people that work in the same position that would be able, we could help one another. Mm. But they kind of thought mm, it's not really going to work on a, like a long-term basis. So I guess because of that conversation, I decided that maybe um, I should resign and look for um, somewhere that is a bit more flexible for mm-hmm. part-time mums. So that's what I did. Um, so I ended up resigning. Um, and look, I think it's also in my uh, industry, especially with sales consultants, BDMs, it is very common that those roles are only full time. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it is slow, it's starting to change now, but, um, yeah, for the company I was working for it, yeah, it, it wasn't the case at the time. I'm not sure mm. if they've changed it now. And then, so, um, when I went to the next role, uh, the one that wasn't quite right, um, they were super flexible because they were, you know, only starting out, they said, yep, three days um, is perfect for us. So we can do um, three days. Um, You can do what hours you want, as long as, you know, you're doing eight hours. Um, You know, if you have to leave some days early for Artemis, that's not a problem. So I thought, this is amazing. So um, I ended up um, starting with them, but then, when I had heard of my uh, current role now, um, our director, one of the directors she 's actually um, a young mum as well, and mm. she said, uh, "Oh my God, you know flexibility for our working mums is key here because yep. just because you know um, you 're a mum it doesn't and you 're a working mum it doesn 't mean that you 're going to put in less work just because some days." you might have to do pickups or, you know, you have to, um, you know, uh, to your sick child or whatever. Um, and she goes, you know, there's no, why, why can't you, you know, do one day from home? And I thought, well, this is music to my ears. Yeah. Um, so when I had, you know, she, they'd approached me about the role. Um, they said, well, how do you feel about doing three days in the office and one day from home? And I said, uh, yes, hundred percent I'll take that. That yeah. sounds amazing to me. So I was really happy to do more days. My my issue was that I just can't put Artemis in for more than three days into childcare. Yeah. It's just not it's just not worth it. Mm. Um, so you know, eventually Ari's mum will go part-time at some point. Mm -hmm. um point but she you know she's still young and um she's a speech pathologist she works with young children and she absolutely loves her job and you know um taking care of young um young boys and girls um and so you know i don't know when that day will be so you know um she said you know once that when that day comes well you know i probably will drop Artemis off to her one day a week. Yeah. Um, but until then I said, well, my main days will be three days that she's in um childcare. And then that one day from home meant that I could work four days. Mm. So that was, yeah, amazing. So um yeah, it's two weeks in and I'm yeah, absolutely loving it so far. Awesome. So um yeah, this this um yeah, it was amazing because I thought, well, so many companies have to start getting on board because you know, we are, yes, we're the mums, but yeah.
0: Missing out on we, good we talents if it. they eliminate that, I think. Like, exactly. the, I do a BDM role as you know now, but in finance, and I've done that before way pre-children. And honestly, I can say now I am so much more efficient and effective because I'm so conscious of the fact that it's like I kind of wake up in the morning and either the the nanny comes around or the girls are at care and I'm like, right, okay, come on, this is your time. Go smash it. You might get a call to say, okay, come and get one of the girls. They're sick or... You know, anything can happen and I think you're so conscious of the fact that once you pick them up in your home, you want to have that good quality family time that you're like, that's right. I've just got to get all this work done now. And you're conscious about making an impact and, you know, being efficient and stuff as well. So it's... Exactly. We're great talent. And I think
1: that's what they, um, that's what my new role, um, you know, the management have really understood is that just because you're a mum you know, a lot of the time they, well, they feel there's, you know, quite a few mums that, um, you know, work in in the same company and there's one that also works part-time um, from, um, one of the, from interstate and, um, you know, they just felt like, well, mums are really efficient because they know that they have to really organise their time really well and the time that they have at work, they're so productive because they know that they've got a shorter amount of time during mm, the week absolutely. to do their work. So mm. um they said, why wouldn't they? And yes, they realized um that, you know, you start missing out on good talent just because they can't work full time. Mm. Well, you know, who what's to say that other people that, you know, aren't don't have children or um work full time, what you know, it doesn't mean that they're productive five days a week, you mm. know, it's I think that, you know, you have to, they've really got to change. A lot of workplaces have to change their ways and their, you know, thoughts about the whole mum work-life balance because it's, you know, yes, someone's got to do it. You know, mm. someone's, someone has to look after the children and mm. we want to be there for our children. You know, we want to see them grow up. So it doesn't mean that we don't want a career as well. Mm. Like we, you know, we, we'd we love, you know, the ones that do want to work, you know, we want to work, you know, we want to um, keep progressing in our career, um, but we do need a bit of support at the same time to be able oh, to do that. So, absolutely. Yep. yeah, so no, I'm really happy and I'm just, I think that a lot of workplaces I've heard um, in the previous podcast that really... Um, <laughs> have, you know, really come to and they're, you know,
0: really embrace it. So that's really um, good to hear. It is. It is. So what, um, any other kind of key messages or pieces of advice or little things you've picked up along the way that you want to share or, um, um, anything that you haven't already mentioned? Um, not really. I think,
1: um, I guess my advice, um, would be just, you know, if you're going through um, any hard times in your life, you know, um, I think it's really important to speak out um, and speak about it because from my, only, my own experience that, you know, always blocking it out and keeping it to yourself isn't always healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you'll be really surprised um, as I have been um, with the amount of support that I have received um, and you know, thinking you know of what I thought um, people would say, it's been quite opposite. Um, mm. And I think that you know, it's okay to um, get help. You know, if you're not feeling like you can do everything yourself, you know, I think it's really um, okay and normal to you know seek out help. So um, I've you know realized now being a mum, this is the time that I have sort of um, been a bit more open um, Mm. and, you know, asked for help. Um, And I think that um, a lot of mums would be feeling the same. And I think that that's probably my most key thing is, um, yeah, is to always just, you know, ask for help and, you know, know that there are people that will support you. So Mm. yeah, that's Probably the one piece of advice that I'll give. Um, and that's just from my
0: own experience. So yeah. Good on you. I'm completely blown <laughs> away by your story. I think you're just absolutely phenomenal. So thank you so well, much for you. sharing it. I appreciate it so much. I'm sure people will benefit from listening to this. So thank you so much thank for coming you. on.
1: No worries, El. I'm really um I'm really grateful and um, I'm really happy to share my story and um even though at some points I've probably um you know been a bit emotional I think um that's just Mm. I guess the part and parcel and I think um even though it's made me stronger it isn't it's still emotional and it still comes out in other ways and things but Mm. I think it's always going to be like that but I'm just really happy to share and also um share that you know we can have it all we can Mm. you know have that mum work-life balance and just um you know be able to really love what we do our jobs but also love our family um all at once and I think that we can do it
0: absolutely could not agree more so thank you
1: (laughs) that's okay thank (laughs) you
0: Thank you to all the listeners uh, for listening to this episode. Um, again, please like, comment, share, do whatever you can. There's, you can leave reviews on Apple iTunes podcasts as well, which just helps to rank the podcast higher and hopefully get more listeners. So thank you all so much for listening. Look forward to shortly recording the next episode.